Welcome to the Volrath Feed, the show that brings you into the world of commercial food service. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And as always, our producer, Justin Pearson, is here with me today. Justin, how are things? Doing awesome, man. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Hanging in there. Just uh, getting back into the swing of things, right? That's always our early part of our week here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm starting to feel the late summer, you know, ho-hums. You know? Yeah, right, right. So do you ever, you know, go out of, we haven't really been anywhere far away, I guess, on a big vacation, but regionally you, you drive somewhere and all of a sudden there's a new food item that uh, you, you're exposed to that, you know, is a very regional thing you never heard of before. You're like, what is that? Somebody will say, well, you got to have this and, you know, and you're <laughs> yeah, like, really? they're always so passionate about it. You got to right. be so careful about, you know, whether you, you genuinely like it or it's something that you'd rather just dump into the trash bin you, you've got to be very sensitive and, and acutely aware of their emotional connection to those foods absolutely yes you can yes, start that, some you can start some uh drag them down outside fist fights so well and you don't want to be rude i mean they're they're proud of it right they bring it up with excitement and you're like yeah let me try it and then, <laughs> what do you do right you go oh it's good oh yeah that's that's really good um, <laughs> You know, that's one of our favorite things to do when we travel is to, Yes. the, the rule is uh, when, whenever my wife and I travel is to never eat at something that we can get back home. Yeah. That has been, I think, one of the things that I try to do, even when I dine locally, it's like a steak. I can get a steak at home, right? But I'll try that weird thing on the menu. Right. And a lot of times I'll get it and I'll go, oh, I should have just stuck with the thing that I was, you know, looked at that I would have been comfortable with and familiar, but I wanted to try something different. And often, I don't know, it doesn't, I'd say 35% of the time I'm like, oh, that was really good. Something really different. Yeah. <laughs> I think I pick the thing that's way out there too much, you know, the yeah, really I, different thing. I, you got it. You got to stretch, stretch your legs on that and get, get a little uncomfortable every now and then and right. go, go places where you, you might not normally go. Right, but so yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of regional stuff, super hyper regional stuff. I mean, right right here in Wisconsin, I mean, there's a laundry list of things. But you know, in Sheboygan, we've got brats, right? You know, which Absolutely. is well known Top now, but yeah, at, at one point it certainly wasn't. But no. even even nowadays, well, you're a Sheboygan guy, you know, born and raised your whole life. Uh, yeah, and the hard roll that brats are served on very uh, unique in Sheboygan. It's that's very unique and. And to me, you know, even down the road, you know, we're, we we had them served quite a bit differently as well. Right. Yeah, and most areas around the country have a brat bun. It's very similar to a hot dog bun, a little bit bigger, a little firmer, not as quite of that uh, light white bread kind of, but a good mm -hmm. home-baked style roll. But in Sheboygan, a, a double brat, so you lay two of them side by side. You know, they kind of nest together on a flat roll. It's round. That's mm -hmm. how you eat them, double brat on a hard roll. Delicious, well, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's so many. Like, even if you just look at, like, pizza and, yes. and how many, you know, oh. how pizza varies across the country. And I will say most of them are delicious in their own way. But really, there's only one pizza that I haven't been able to really, like, make my thing, you know. No, no offense or disrespect to the good people of St. Louis, but I can't do the processed Provol cheese thing. And even though it's a product of Wisconsin, it's just... Oh. I don't think it has a place on a pizza. Oh, yeah, no, no. 
Not my thing, but... To be fair, I really should try it from a different place down there than I did the first time I had it, so I can have a more balanced perspective of it. But, you know, to each their own, right? (laughs) I have a kind of a funny story here. In Wisconsin, you mentioned some very, very regional things. And you're familiar with Upper Michigan. Oh, yeah. Right? Big mining area. Sure. And in Upper Michigan, they have a, a dish called a pasty. Yeah, it's a it's a meat pie, and it's it's familiar to miners. I guess immigrant miners mm-hmm. made these, and it was a way to carry their luncheon in a little dough. And so my wife, she uh, she was driving, and the kids were in the back seat, and uh, she wants to be the cool mom, right? The kids <laughs> can say anything they want and be very open. So she's driving one day, and they're they're both I don't know maybe ten, twelve years old, and they said, uh, "Mom, what are pasties?" <laughs> she said, well, uh, sometimes uh, women want to cover certain parts of their body. And she goes into this very long, kind of a little awkward, not terribly. She wanted to be cool again. So she was going to be honest and describe him. And after she finishes the, her description of what a pasty is, the uh, silence in the back seat, And then all of a sudden they said, why do you like them on Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> She said, oh, pasties. Pasties are meat pies. And she went into the whole explanation there. So, Well, you know, the the kids probably saw the images of them, and they're probably trying to put it together in their heads. How is this meat pie being used to cover up sensitive parts? Yeah, right. (laughs) Just uh, one of those very funny things. Sometimes it's all in how you say the word, right? Right. Justin, I think I'd like to get to our guest for today. And as I mentioned earlier, we have the pleasure of having Glenn Lothridge, who is the Director of Campus Dining at Auburn University with us today. Glenn, welcome to the Volrath Feed. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. Well, we thank you for uh, taking the time. I know right now your days must be filled with everything involved with managing student dining and their return to School for the year, as, as much as that's been changing with things going on here, that has got to be just a, uh, I can't imagine what your days are like lately. It is. It's an interesting time to be in uh, our profession. Uh, you know, clearly uh, with the, you know, COVID-19 outbreak, um, you're kind of in these uh, crazy quandaries of, you know, um, everything you do on a college campus is built around the premise you want to create community. Um, that's what we're about. You're trying to create a student experience that someone would want to have. And then COVID comes along and says, well, you got to do that from six feet away or behind a mask and hopefully with a barrier in between people, you know. So it it, it is definitely a challenge. (laughs) And you multiply that on these these early days of students moving in because now you have their first impression in some ways with parts of the school, their parents coming along and friends and everyone else trying to help with move-in day. And now you've got all these extra things to deal with. That's got to be just, again, quite the task. It is. And I mean, clearly, you know, parents, I mean, you have a a certain level of angst with any parent who's dropping off their child um, into your care, so to speak. Um, You know, they're concerned for their, you know, you know, the health and well-being of their kid. They want them to have fun. They want them to not have too much fun, you know, all of those things. And so you have these um, already um, hyped uh, folks, and then you add something like this, and it definitely it creates 
um, another level of um, interaction that has been, you know, in some time at some points it's been tough. But, you know, I think by and large, once you have an opportunity to, to, to dialogue with someone and kind of explain to them what your rationale is for what you're doing, it all it tends to work out. It just takes a minute for everybody to kind of calm down. It's it's a it's a tough time. I think it's 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 hard on everybody. So how are how are dining services going to be looking this year? So you know one of the ways that we've uh, we're trying to serve our student population this year is by really leveraging our mobile ordering platform. Uh, we use Grubhub, and what that allows us to do is we have food trucks on campus. Um, we have multiple places where you can um, order food via the app, and uh, it actually makes our food trucks really more efficient. Um, so we don't have anybody taking orders. You have to order via the app. Um, our, you know, we have Chick Fil A. We have, um, you know, lots of different brands. All of them are on Grubhub, so it allows you to kind of pre-order, but it also allows us to get things done behind the line and then set the the food in front of um, the customer. We've also are piloting a, a, a food locker system that we um, partnered with uh, Hatco. We bought, you know, it's a kind of a brand new, <laughs> feel like I'm on the bleeding edge of this technology. Mm-hmm. We've had, you know, uh, but basically the, the premise is, you, you know, we've got the whole, we've got a dining hall and we've put them kind of right where you would enter into the you know it's a traditional kind of cafeteria layout we've kind of blocked that off with these food lockers and what it allows us to do is offer all of the the options of the dining hall but you order on your app whatever you want you 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 know i'm saying you can trade a meal swipe for it you can play a retail price we put it into the warming locker when the student shows up they put in their code that they got through the grubhub app and the locker lights up and blinks and then they open it up and grab their food out. So it's kind of like that old auto mat, which kind of is fitting for the building we're in, but um, it's, it's a, it's kind of an old idea that's made new, so to speak. So with uh, Grubhub, th- that's a partnership that the, that the university has with them. Do, are, do the students have to pay for that in any way on their orders or is it just, so with Grubhub, what we did to try to make sure that we weren't um, unduly taxing the students. So we do have a part. So Grubhub is contracted with our food service vendor, Aramark. Um, there is a fee associated with that, um, a convenience fee. Um, but what we did was we also got kiosks. So the kiosk is free. Okay. You can, you can sweat, you know what I'm saying, use your card. And you can put your order in at any kiosk, and we have them located all over campus. But if you want the convenience of stepping out of your of your classroom or staying a little bit after class and putting your order in, so that you know by the time you've walked from wherever you are to that venue, um, that 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 gets you a transaction fee. So I mean, we feel like it's in keeping, and it's not a that seems fair. It's thirty nine cents. It's not, it's not a, it's not $5, oh. you know, it's 39 cents. Oh, so it's not a, <laughs> it sounds like a better deal. Not a terrible <laughs> thing. So that's definitely the, uh, the trend that has been in place for a while now with more delivery and, and pickup or to go kind of food. Do you have any sense of what you think your in dining numbers are going to be percentage wise of, of your transactions through the day? Like, do you see that going just down to almost nothing with things going forward this year or? 
we are off. I mean, it's normal to be off. Um, you know, the, the, the modalities of how classes are being taught. Um, you know, you have a lot of classes that are online um, or, you know, maybe you only have a lab on campus. And so there's um, our traffic patterns are interrupted to a degree. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, we feel like, you know, we're we're in a great spot from a um, location, you know, approximate to a lot of different apartment complexes, as well as the students that we have on in housing. So, it, you know, we've we, the first week was was definitely. Uh, it was pretty pronounced. Um, this week, it's already started to pick up. Um, you know, our meal plans are still the same as they were. So I feel like that, you know, students will utilize their meal plans. We've also um, partnered with a, like kind of a home chef, if you're familiar with them mm-hmm. this year. So you have the ability to utilize um, some of your dining dollars to purchase home set home chef meal kits. Oh, that's cool. And that's been very popular with some of our students, um, especially those that, um, you know, maybe you're junior or senior and you're kind of in that semi adulting phase where you don't really want to go to the grocery store. You still want food delivered to you, but you're trying to eat a little healthier. So it's kind of <laughs> one of those, you know, transitional phase. Yeah. Um, so that's been pr- pretty popular. And I know, locally sourced and sustainable or always things that you uh, personally or you um, tried to, to utilize at the school. And is that, are you still doing some of those things? Are you still able to in this time? Absolutely. Um, so, you know, the cool part about that is we have, um, you know, partnerships with both horticulture. Um, so I mean, to give background to that, we have a aquaponic system that utilizes tilapia as kind of the generator for for lack of a better term, fertilizer for our, we grow lettuce, tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, different things like that. Um, in a greenhouse that's adjacent to the, um, the fish, the fish are kept in a tank. We know everything that goes into the tank, Mm -hmm. but because, um, you know, we want to proceed with an abundance of caution and because we have scientists that work on campus, uh, we test the water constantly where, you know, I'm saying we know, you know, we have fisheries, that are PhD students that are taking care of the fish and we've got master's, you know, students that are seeking master's degrees in horticulture that are working on the vegetables. And so it's been a, it's been really cool to watch, um, these, these students who are, um, you know, kind of learning their, their craft. Uh, and at the same time, we're getting really great produce out of the system. So, um, we're in the process of, um, building a, about an 11 acre, um, garden on campus. Um, and it's going to have a, you know, it's a partnership with the college of agriculture. We'll have, um, both, um, traditional plots as well as, um, you know, we're going to have two freight farms. If you're familiar with those, those are, um, container growing systems. And then we're also going to have a hydroponics, um, greenhouse as well. So we've got a lot going on as far as, you know, growing our own food sustainably. Uh, it's a lot of, that's been probably one of my favorite um, parts of my job is getting to partner with the College of Agriculture and finding new ways to bring um, the things that we do right here on campus and in front of students. Does that food go directly into what you're doing or do they offer like uh, like a farmer's market or something like that too? Right now, um, we don't have, I mean, we have good production, but I mean, as you know, with a, uh, you know, we have a 
30,000 person campus. Mm -hmm. And, um, we just, we can't produce enough to sell it as well as use it. So we've really concentrated on bringing it into operations and so that we can, you know, feature it every day. It's kind of, you know, one of the reasons, you know, initially from a business standpoint that I got into the idea of partnering with our college of agriculture is, you know, you know, for us, and I'm sure, you know, if you're in Wisconsin or anywhere else, you put a, you put an Auburn sticker on something, it's instantly more valuable. It tastes better, period. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a pizza. It doesn't matter what it is. We should, you know, say if we brand it and we say, hey, we made this, it's better, right? We're oh, all yeah. brand loyal. And so it's been a, um, that's one of the things to kind of, you know, how do we create cachet in a dining hall? Dining halls, it's really hard to differentiate yourself in a lot of ways. But if we're bringing in products that speak for themselves, uh, that makes a difference. So in, in Wisconsin, I know when we grow a garden, there's a definite season to it. You plant and then you harvest. And when the harvest comes, sure. it comes fast and furious. So you've got an 11-acre oh, yeah. garden. You, How do you process that? How do you deal with that? Now in Alabama, I'm imagining you've got a much more lengthy growing season that you can put things in stages maybe, or how do you handle that? Well, I mean, part of this is, and, and the reason why I was in, you know, interested in aquaponics, hydroponics, the freight farm, is I'm not limited mm -hmm. in, oh. to growing seasons. Those, right. the, I can grow pretty much year-round in a, in a greenhouse. I can you know, grow year-round in, in the freight farms. Um, so, yes, there will be some soil-grown things that will be seasonal, and that's really cool. And, and one of the things that for, you know, the state of Alabama that we could learn from Wisconsin is that y'all extend growing seasons by doing some innovative things to keep plants warmer and to retain heat and so that you get, a you know, because obviously your, your season is much shorter than ours. And, you know, for our farmers, if they can get additional benefit by having a crop that they grow, you know, in the wintertime or deep in, deeper into um, the fall, that's a, that's a real positive. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we want to showcase is that there are crops that can be planted in different times of the year and, you know, provide a, you know, a living to farm, you know, I mean, the, the local farms are, are really hard pressed to make a living. You know, they, a lot of them sell in farmer's markets now because it's hard to get them into distribution. I mean, I, I think y'all probably familiar that, that mm. you can't just go to farmer Joe down the road and, and pick up a bunch of heads of lettuce or something like that. You got to know, Hey, did, you know, what are the, practices that he used to grow that food because i mean obviously you know chipotle was they had a real bad problem not too long ago because they were sourcing locally without having um you know good agricultural practices and, and i'm not trying to pick on chipotle i mean and it could have happened to anybody at that sure point. sure um so it just it's just one of those things where we have to be really careful about how we pursue those local sources oh you're right yeah. it all sounds good until that farmer doesn't quite understand everything that goes into what they're doing and you have that issue, right? Right. And the testing and, yeah. you know, the traceability, I mean, all of those things really have to play into how you source product. Right. So we've talked a lot about the food, but uh, your dining facility, now that was something that uh, Volreth uh, and uh, worked quite a bit with you on and, and doing your dining facility over and you had some goals and how did that whole project come about and what were the goals going into that redesign? So the, the original dining 
area had been built to kind of be more retail based. So it was kind of, um, I, I hate to say it like this, but it was kind of like a mall food court, right? So you can mm-hmm. go to this place and you can get that food and you go to another place and you get a different thing. And then you come to the end and you pay, right? So it's a la carte. You can visit all these different stations and then you just get what you get. And we really saw that as, uh, you know, not a great model um, for the long term. We needed something that was, you know, because we get parents that would say, hey, you know, I got a 18 year old son that can eat the house down and it's costing me an arm and a leg to feed him. So we really wanted to move towards a more traditional dining hall. But at the same time, you know, uh, this generation is, you know, they're kind of, they're a little bit risk averse Mm -hmm. and they're also really picky. I mean, they have grown up on, you know, the food channel, the food network and stuff like that. They know what's going on. So if you're not cooking it in front of them, if you're not showcasing it, if there's not a, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, I like to walk around our dining halls and say, hey, man, you got to remember you're always in, you know, this is, you're in showbiz, man. Mm -hmm. Everything is about (laughs) what you're doing behind the line. What are you showing customers, the care? um, And, you know, if there's some flair to it, if you have, you know, have fun with it because they're watching and they, and that's, you know, that was a big piece of what we wanted is that the, you would see it happen. Um, and so that was, a, that, that was you know, probably one of the biggest pieces is making sure that students knew they were getting fresh, made for them products and, and you know, and, and things that we were cooking. You know, so, I mean, that, that, that was probably one of the key ingredients in the whole thing. It's so important nowadays because the dining experience is such a large component to recruiting anymore Mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah you know you got world-renowned professors and programs um but uh, what's the grub like you know (laughs) there's no question there's no question there's an amenity to it yes um that you can't you know i mean and and what's interesting about um you know and this is kind of my own take on this i mean i think what we're experiencing now with the with covid we're also going to have to really kind of refocus on value because I think that, you know, affordability and I mean, you know, what w- what we are when we emerge from this is going to be new. It's not, you know, it doesn't have to be worse or better, but it's going to be different. And so I think we have to kind of begin to imagine a future state that is not, you know, we're not going to go back to what we were. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. And so we have to start thinking about, well, here's there's opportunity in that, right? There may be some things that we're doing now we don't want to be doing. And so we can blame COVID and change it, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, I think there's some pieces like that that are opportunities. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my next questions was what what are what has been some of the, the things that you've streamlined because of necessity? You know, you've, you've looked at processes and procedures and be like, hey, it's better if we change this now. I, I think that going cashless, working to get, you know, to, to take more of our, um, operations into a mobile platform. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think cashless is a, um, it's, it's, it makes it a lot easier on the contractor, right? If they don't yeah. have to go collect cash drawers, they don't have to worry about that. It definitely has a, a benefit there. I mean, so many of our transactions are, are via the campus card or some form of that, mm-hmm. that it, you know, we just do so little cash. It just becomes a burden more than a, a, a revenue driver. 
And so that's definitely something that we're considering and, and working towards. Um, you know, again, the, you know, what I told you about the food lockers and FOI, that's something I've been thinking about for a couple of years um, because we're in the process of building yet another dining hall. So we did a renovation with Volrath in our village dining hall. Now we're building the central dining hall. And that's also going to be um, Volrath's casework. And so it's, it's, you know, again, it's been a great partnership for us. Um, I was going to say, you know, one of the things, you know, in the village that really came out well and kind of saved us is the breath guards. You know, we, yeah. we thought it's important that the things you can either have them up or down. And, you know, that just just that being able to now use that as the barrier because everything has to come from behind the line and go out now. Mm. And so having that flexibility to put them up and down has has saved us on, on you know, because we're able to use that village dining hall as a more traditional dining hall because we can close it all off. And then students come up and and they order and we, we give them their plate. And nothing comes back. So we have a safe way of serving students that way. So that was a, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I you know, you hope you don't have to do those types of things because it's nice to have some places where they can serve themselves, especially like pizza and things like that. But, you know, this year we had to have it and it, and it was there for us. That's a good lesson learned, like to, to be flexible, always build in flexibility on projects like that. Do you have any other big lessons learned uh, that you used from your first area of the village now you'll take into the second area yeah i mean i think we you know i think you're the, the idea of flexibility is um and then making the stations as self-sufficient as they can be and by that i mean you know having it having a refrigeration in this in the space having everything they need you know to to, to do a process of meal period right mm-hmm. um one of the things that um catherine who was was the designer with Volrath. I think she made the suggestion of having dishwashers in the stations, uh, which was a really great suggestion because in this new dining hall, though, you know, all of their um, utensils will be able to stay with them. And for a station like a, our allergen friendly station, it's oh, critical. That's that big. They stay there. Right. We got all right. these purple handle things and we don't need a, we don't need the purple handle spoons going to the salad bar downstairs. We need them upstairs where they're supposed to go, you know. So, I mean, I think those those things and it also allows for some differentiation so we can have some different types of serving utensils and different things that we use in different spaces because they stay there. It's really hard to do that when you've got stuff going down to the dish room or into the, you know, into a different area and then trying to get it all back is is hard yeah before i go too much further i know Catherine. uh i told her i was doing the show this week with you she meant made sure i'd say hi to you and brian as well says hi they sure both mentioned that they uh, had a long uh, great relationship with you during these builds and absolutely Catherine is just i mean i tell you she's a resource she's such a wealth of knowledge both from an equipment standpoint just i mean she's just i, I think she's seen and you know every possible type of installation. And so she's just got, a, you know, she's really, really helpful and just always has such a great spirit about her. She's just fun to work with. So, I mean, I, I definitely, uh, and I, you know, I like Brian too, but I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, Catherine, you hit it on the head. She's a good one. Absolutely. Yeah. She's, she's something else. She really is. Yeah. We really enjoyed getting to know her. Yeah. So I, I hear then uh, also, as I said, I was talking to both of them a little bit before. They tell me you've got a, a bit of a creative approach 
to uh, remodeling and uh, your construction and procurement? Yes. One of the things, you know, obviously budgets are are difficult. (laughs) They always are, right? Um, So we got into a situation where our local market, the construction budgets were just, um, you know, business was booming for our local construct, you know, local contractors. And it was just, you know, the cost per square foot from the time we started the project uh, to build the central dining hall to when we finished had gone up a hundred dollars. I mean, it's crazy. Wow. And so um, we decided that to try to pull some of that margin out of it. And I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, again, I we knew they had a ton in there. We would bid, um, our casework separately. And so casework and equipment, because we knew we could procure it at a better cost, but we also wanted to be able to specify what we wanted. Um, we had a real comfort, uh, with Volrath from the products, from the way that, um, they stood behind them. We this is our third dining hall project with Volrath. And again, um, there's something to be said with knowing who you're doing business with. And so, again, we went back and we, you know, we did have a, a, a process where we, you know, allowed vendors to kind of tell us what they thought, work up a quote. Volrath was the low quote on that. And so then we specified Volrath in our RFP. So we have to, as the state of Alabama, uh, we have to bid everything. We can't just say, hey, we're just going to take this one. Um, but because the, it comes through distribution, then we've got five dist- distributors that bid on the project. And so it creates a really competitive process that got us about a $600,000 savings off of what was estimated on the budget. And so there is, uh, we did specify when we um, when we bid for a contractor that they would need to coordinate it. Um, so in other words, you need to make sure that the contractor is making coordinating, getting the casework there on a certain day connected. They have to do final connections, but there's nothing better than having Volrath come in and, and setting down Volrath's, you know, casework, locking it together and getting it, you know what I'm saying? Because if the adjustments need to be made, anything like that. They're going to be better, you know, at it. Well, a lot of that stuff is made. We make it ahead. We ship it in so it bolts up quick. And and, and the install time is just so much better than putting things together on site. You know, just everything being made off site and then uh, shipped in saves a lot of that hassle as well. Absolutely. What is one of your favorite pieces of equipment that, that you say, you know, we could operate pretty much everything else except for this? Um, you know, honestly, we bought a pizza oven that is really interesting. So what we did was, um, we went to, we went to, uh, uh, the show down in Orlando and we saw this pizza maker that used, um, pizza stone as a conveyor. Yeah. So it's a, uh, is that the one that goes around this. and around or actually on a conveyor? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a conveyor. It keeps, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, it's all, it's a conveyor and it keeps going. Right. Right. And what it, so it gives you the ease of the kind of that impinger style, right? So your employees, it's real simple for them. Mm-hmm. They, they throw it on one end, it comes out the other, but you get that pizza stone, you know, crust that is yeah. so much better. Yeah. And we have loved that thing. It is, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's been life-changing. I mean, so I'll tell you this, all right. Our students buy the like whole pizzas, I mean, constantly out of, <laughs> 
out of the the village now. I mean, we did you know we didn't sell you know pizza was not a big deal for us, and we had a we had a nice pizza oven, but. As y'all probably know, if you don't have somebody that really understands how you got to move the pizza around mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, to get it the way you want it, it's a, it's a difficult thing to find that person. And so we just, we ended up with, you know, they were putting them on, you know, on pans instead of the dough going directly on the stone. Oh. And so uh, this really made a huge difference in our pizza program and it's made people a lot more likely to buy our pizza, which is good. Selling pizza is a good thing. It's a, it always is. It's, it's one of the food groups for the college students. Yeah, it's fish in the <laughs> barrel right there. Right. <laughs> so I know uh, with like professional organizations in, in college, university, food service, that we have a organization, NACUFS, that everyone belongs to. But you are sure. a big advocate of a, uh, is it NACUS? NACUS, yes. Uh, and actually, you were on the board there for a while, right? Uh, yes, I am actually the current president because oh. um, we didn't we weren't able to have our conference this year for me to roll off as the past president. So I'm getting to serve a, an additional year, which is uh, I, I mean, I really love the organization, get a lot of benefit out of being able to come to, you know, and, and talk to a group of individuals, do the same job that you do. And um, in different places, you get a lot of ideas and uh, we, we reach all the way into Canada and all the way from coast to coast. So we have a, a lot of membership and uh, we're very fortunate. What to, is it to, about to be part the, of the, the NACUS that you like or that is different, I should say, than NACUFs, which is the one that you hear a lot about? Well, NACUFs, um, I think is, is, I mean, it's an excellent organization, definitely members. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of focus on, in the past at least, it was much more focused towards a self-op type of um group and NACUS has always kind of been more on the contracted side. Um, I think both sides are working to try to be more relevant to both sides of that divide as far as, so, I mean, I think, you know, NACUS, you know, you get a lot more, um, you know, individualized food. So like, you know, a dough company or, you know, things like that might, might be your vendors that, that come to a NACUS event. And this is my opinion. And then, you know, with NACUS, it's more, um, you'll get brands, um, you know, I mean, we might have everything from Aubon Pan to Smoothie King and things like that, where, you know, we're, you know, we're bringing in retail brands into your campus. Um, all, you know, all the major contractors are there. So your Sodexas, your Chartwells, your Aramarks, you know, and along with coffee vendors and, you know, just a, a variety of services. Obviously, we also cover transit. So people with buses gotcha ride which was uh you know they did bikes on campuses so just a variety of college services so i think nakeups is really great for food service and 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 um and uh, like i said i would highly recommend them to anybody um but you know nakeups is a little bit broader as far as the broader spectrum as far as all of the auxiliary services okay are you also in charge of the stadium and then the sporting venues yes. and that's got to be a, just a, a unimaginable amount of work and uh, coordination that goes into those venues. Yeah. What does that what, do for your numbers? Like when there's a, when there's a home game? Yeah. I mean, we have 24,000 transactions a day. Um, so that's, a, that was our typical day um, beforehand, you know, on, on a game day, a really good game day, we'll have a normal, you know, cause weekends are obviously, you know, everybody kind of flies the coop and, you know, we're t- typically, you know, maybe 30% of a normal weekday on a, on a Saturday. 
or we might have a, a, a full day on campus. And that's before they go in the stadium. Uh, between the catering for tailgates, do quite a bit of that. Um, people eat in our venue, you know, Chick-fil-A in, those, in our student center. We'll have a normal fifteen, sixteen thousand $16,000 type of a day hmm. on, a, on a given game day. So, I mean, you know, we, we do quite a bit of business. We have food trucks out. And then they get in the stadium and uh, stadium is, you know, it's, it, you know, we could do upwards of half a million dollars in, in sales in the stadium. So it's a, wow, <laughs> it's quite a thing. Well, I know that whole thing has kind of switched when we went to increase security that, that causes a much slower process of getting people in. So you, you try to design uh, interior in, inside the, the stadium spaces that people will come into and, and eat a, a meal of, of something that's not stadium type food that we would have normally thought of. Right. So d- did you implement some things like that in the stadium, some different food choices? And we do have a, um, we have a, a tiger wall club that gives fans an opportunity to, you know, you do have to purchase a membership, but you can go in there and they've got great food. They have a bar, they have a cash bar in there. So if that's, if you, you know, it's a great place to tailgate. I mean, really, mm-hmm. I mean, you could go in, show up and, you're good. You can watch. Uh, we have a you know thing called Tiger Walk where fans lied. Um, you know, one of our, the road from the where the athletic um, residence hall is down to the stadium, and uh, they you know it's a big deal for our fans, and they walk right past that venue. So it's a really cool vantage point to watch from. But uh, you know, I mean, it's a infrastructure is as you well know very expensive. And so we haven't done a lot beyond that. Um, you know, and that, I mean, that was a big deal when we did it, it had some other, um, attachments to it that were really needed improvements. Um, but you know, we can see in the future, I mean, you know, we have a couple of ticket offices, um, that we could probably repurpose that might have served that type of a function. Um, you know, we're really interested in, you know, how the, the food locker system works out. And if we can really kind of perfect that, we feel like that would be, be able to provide a premium experience for, for some fans, you know, it's just how many, you know, how many of those things could you deploy and how would it work? And so I think there's a lot of different ways that you can bring amenity to the, to the games. Uh, really what we want to be able to get to is order from your seat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, you know, that's definitely in the works. It's just, you know, finding the right provider, and then, you know, uh, we have an older stadium. So our stadium was, you know, the beginning of it was, you know, built in the 50s. Um, and so there's, it's, it, it's, it's a challenge to get enough bandwidth in there for 87,000 people to be on their phones and everybody's on their own. So, um, because it's all cell coverage. So we're, we're working on it. It's been a, it's been one of those things where, you know, there's, parts of the stadium where it's perfect and you could, you know, do everything online and not have a problem, but then there's some other places that it it would be challenging. So we're trying to make sure that we have, you know, we want a really good fan experience. I mean, I think that's the thing that's paramount to our athletics department is whatever we do, we want it to be something that fans will remember positively. Yeah. Fan experience. A lot of it, the game obviously is the main attraction, but that food and beverage and all that is, is so important to a good day for fans. A little earlier in the show as well, we were talking about some of the regional uh, food choices. And, and as you get to different areas of the country, 
Sure. Um, do you have some regional favorites that are down there that you, you wouldn't expect to find in other stadiums? Yeah. So um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Koneka sausage. It's um, made here in Alabama and it is, you know, in our, uh, you know, estimation, the best sausage going. I mean, it's, it's everybody loves it. I mean, it's like, you know, across the board, they have a hickory smoke, they have a hot, and then they have a, you know, their original. And um, it's a very popular um, thing. And we actually um, piloted their hot dogs last year and they, they went, really well so Koneka you know having that local partnership is is really cool um you know it's they're down in Evergreen Alabama um they're named after the Koneka River that's in the um in the state so it's a it's a really cool uh connection to uh the state and we're we're excited to have that one that's probably our most um we also have Bo Jackson Burgers Bo Jackson actually is in Bo Jackson makes his own burgers how have yep. I not known Bono's this yet? Burgers. Bono's Burgers. What doesn't Bono know? Bono's Burgers. Yeah. Um, I, I will tell you the highlight of my Auburn career was the day that uh, that Bo came to my office to talk to me about burgers. I wanted to wow. talk to him about Bo over the top and well, that time he ran over Brian Bosworth, but he oh, wanted okay. to talk about burgers. So. Oh, yeah. Way cool. Talk he's, about what Bo wanted to talk about. He's an amazing guy. Do, do you have <laughs> boiled peanuts? That was the... The boiled peanuts is that a big thing? We we do have them absolutely. We have a um, we have a third party vendor that does those. We do um, you know funnel cakes sell. Good gracious! Wow. I mean, I think they sell everywhere. But I mean, we we sell a ton of funnel cakes for huh. sure. That's been popular. We have a uh, we have a good pretzel provider. I think if you don't, you gotta have a good pretzel. Yeah, I think it's critical. Critical to have a good pretzel. I I would agree. I, I love a good pretzel. I think they're it's yep. a good German mustard on there and. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We we were thinking it was going to be a bigger uh, event with the peanuts, but not so much. I, I, I just heard that boiled peanuts, and I heard there was an area in Alabama that was a very large peanut producer, and I heard there was these stands all over and everything, but not so much at the game. Is that right? It, you know, I mean, we do have people that, that buy, and we've we've even had hawkers that sell boiled peanuts. So it's it's not that we don't sell them. It's just, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say it's like, that is the highlight. I mean, I think, oh. the, you know, like I said, <laughs> I think we sell more funnel cakes than we do peanuts. Oh, but, okay. Uh, I mean, I, look, I love a bowl of peanut. And, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with those. Do you like them spicy or they're plain? Because Justin and I, we, we, we've got very little experience living in Wisconsin with boiled peanuts. So we're kind of oh, yeah. after the, the key of what's a good boiled peanut. We don't know. You got to have a little spice to them. I mean, just, uh, I'm not a big, uh, you know, I can't, you know, I mean, obviously they're good with their, if they're just, you know, salted, but you get the spicy ones, man. They're, 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 they're pretty darn good, especially if you get them hot out of the kettle. And uh, it's a different experience, man. I'm telling you, it's like living. Ah, all right. Yeah, I told you, Rich, you got to go to the source, just like uh, yes. in Wisconsin <laughs> and cheese curds. You got to have them uh, same day, right, right at the dairy, you know. With boiled peanuts, you you gotta get them right out of the kettle and freshly spiced. Yep. Oh yeah, you go, yeah. There's just so many of those things around the country. It, it and yeah. you know, small little regions have their thing, and yeah, to go there and have those is is pretty unique. Absolutely. So, Glenn, being a director of campus dining, is is that been a progression of food in your life? Have you been always have you always been a food guy, or how did you land up in the uh, director of campus oh, dining gosh. at Auburn? <laughs> I have, uh, it's a winding path to say the least. I, you know, I've always, you know, I'm a, um, I've always been kind of a foodie. Um, 
my whole life of, you know, I like to cook and things like that, especially grill and smoke and things like, uh, but I think, you know, for me, um, I started in, um, I started in IT, which actually has really helped me. Um, and then I moved to, um, my brother and I had a fishing business in Florida. Uh, we, we caught uh, grouper and stone crabs. I don't know. You probably never heard of a stone crab, but Joe's stone crab, you might've heard of them. They're in sure. Las Vegas and Miami, places like that. Uh, it's a, it's a crab that's indigenous to the state of Florida. And uh, you actually, there, it's a renewable resource because we just take the claws and they get big, you know, mm-hmm. pretty good sized claws and they are mm-hmm. amazing to eat. Um, so we did that for a while. We, you know, I thought I was going to, um, you know, coming out of an IT background, I thought I was going to revolutionize the way, you know, you buy all these things and, you know, you go and talk to some, you know, old codger that was, you know, writing everything on a paper ticket. He didn't want anything to do with the computer. Um, so it's just, uh, my dream died pretty quickly with that. And, uh, my brother, my brother still had, you know, we had, it was called Lothridge Brothers Seafood and he's still operating out of Crystal River, Florida. And, um, but I, um, you know, it was not my passion. I really wanted to do the business end of it and it was just, uh, wasn't meant to be. So I started a, uh, a management recruiting search firm with a good friend and my sister. And then we did that for a while. We, and so that was kind of my introduction into contracted food service. We worked with, um, several different companies that did food in airports and things like that. And interestingly enough, the, the food in an airport and on a college campus are very similar in the way that the, it ebbs and flows, right? It's probably the only thing that you can kind of look at as, as kind of giving you some, you know, really good practical experience because of the way, you know, you get waves, right? You know, you can go, sometimes you walk through an airport and you go to anything and there's no line. And then all of a sudden everything's jammed. And you know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. that ebb and flow. It's the yeah. same thing you know, on campus is, you know, class lets out, you get a glut and then it kind of, you know, eases off. You got 15 minutes where there's nobody and then bang, you get hit again. Uh-huh. And so it's, it, it's a, it's an interesting um, <laughs> phenomenon to say the least. But uh, so I, you know, did that, you know, worked with, um, with, you know, contracted food service. And then um, I am an Auburn graduate and uh, the job came open and we really wanted to live in Auburn. And so I was fortunate enough to be selected for the position. And, you know, they really, you know, I mean, obviously in managing attracted food service, it's different than, you know, a, a self-operated. Really, they wanted my business acumen, not my ability to, you know, cook beans or whatever. Run the kitchen, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. Speaking of running a kitchen, though, this question has nothing to do with nothing, but <laughs> what has been one of your favorite things that, you, that you've ever, ever made or one of your favorite things to make? I have a green egg. I don't know. You know, there's you sure. know, people, you know, have everybody has their smoker of choice. Um, I, you know, I love to do brisket, brisket and ribs. I think, you know, I, I just made some ribs that I was pretty proud of the other day, but I, you know, the, anything on there, I love trying out new things. Um, but to be honest with you, the latest thing I just, I just got a sous vide cooker hey, and I'm telling nice. you it changed steak magic. i it is magic for steak. I mean, you put it in there, get it to 128 degrees, you pull it off, you take it out to the grill, you sear it on both sides, and you have a perfect medium rare. You can't screw through. it up. Exactly. It's bulletproof. I was like, this is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Because, you know, you get a good thick steak. It's hard to get it cooked through just, you know, 
perfectly, you know, so it, it really. Well, and then the pressure of the, of the day, right? So if you've got guests and you told everybody oh, at yeah. seven, you know, there you are now playing on the grill, trying to get that thing nailed down so that everything's timed together. Our CEO talks about it all the time. He's like with entertaining people, it takes all the pressure off. You just look and ask when they're ready and you pull it out and, and finish it and away you go. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it is. I mean, I did chicken with it the other night and, you know, I mean, the chicken's already done. All you're doing is browning it, you know, the mm-hmm. whole, it just, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a new, it's a new experience. I've really loved it. All right. But by contrast, you may or may not have suspected this question now. What was one of uh, the biggest culinary tragedies you've ever uh, been a part of? Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, so, all right. We had a, uh, when I first got to Auburn, there, you know, we're right in the, you know, probably towards the middle to the end of the, the Froyo craze, right? So everybody <laughs> wanted frozen yogurt. And I'm not going to name names. But we pit, you know, so we go with the students and we go to Atlanta to visit four or five of the what we would considered the possible vendors that we might contract with for frozen yogurt on campus. And uh, so we go over there and they pick the absolute highest dollar <laughs> frozen yogurt vendor. I mean, everything is like Belgian t- chocolate hand-rolled by monks on a mountaintop and, you know, <laughs> strawberries from a field somewhere in Denmark. And, I mean, every single ingredient was like this. So, I mean, the, you get a bowl of this frozen yogurt, it's like $9 by the time you're done. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, we wore it out for about three weeks and then it just absolutely tanked. Uh. And, I mean, it was it was. Uh, you know, I spent $150,000 between all the, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I felt like a moron. But, you know, the, the fact is, that, and that, that what it taught me, though, is when you, when you have a trend, you better get on it, right? Mm. You don't want to be, a, you don't want to be the last one on the bus. You want to be the first right. one on the bus so that you ride that whole wave. You, things are going to, things are going to come and go. I mean, you're never going to have a perfect time to have, you know, like everything will have, I mean, except for Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A will be here forever. I mean, there's no <laughs> way Chick-fil-A goes. Uh, not in the South anyways. But everything else is, you know, it, you know, it might have a flow. But I think when you have those trendy things, you really got to get in early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do you go to stay up on trends? How, how do you see them coming before? I read a lot. You know, I mean, I, I read a lot of different, you know, industry. I mean, you know, you get, I, mean, I think once you've gone to a, one or two of the uh, vendor shows, things mm-hmm. like that, you, you pretty much get inundated with um, the latest information. But I, I definitely like to read. And, and, and then I also, you know, I meet with students constantly. Um, yeah. I ask them, you know, one of, my, one of my favorite questions is if I handed you a magic wand and you could change one thing, what would it be? What would you put here? Where would you put it? You know, those types of things. And students will tell you. If, if you can get it from their mouths, you can't hardly go wrong. You know, that's one thing that we, we've talked to, to food service directors at the K through 12 and the college university level. It's, it's really a restaurant. When you think of it, you have customers and your customers are going to tell you what they want. And you're doing the same thing that you do in a standalone restaurant. You're talking to your customers and finding out what they want to see and how they, you know, what they're looking for. So very similar, yeah. right? We're very fortunate, you know, our, our, our student population, um, they're not big complainers. Um, you know, I don't have pitchforks and torches outside of my office all the time, <laughs> but what they, they do vote with their feet. I mean, I can mm. sit here and I can look at, 
if we put something new in, I can tell you within two weeks if it's going to live. You know, I mean, it's just the way it works. <laughs> yep. They'll they'll either you know it's a, it's either they're going to accept it and think it's something good or they're going to move on. So we've tried and failed with some different brands and some different things, and you just never know sometimes what will be the thing that really catches their uh, their fancy. Uh, we have a concept called Salad Works right now. Have you guys heard of that one? Huh. No, that's a it's that's a really good concept. It's uh you know it's I mean it's a kind of a build your own salad, sure. Um, where you can walk down the line, they got a lot of different options, a lot of different salads, very customizable, which kind of fits with today's demographic, and you can see it happen. Uh, Sweet greens is another concept that's kind of similar to mm-hmm. that. Um, that really does a good job. But we've had we've had a really good run with salad works, and so that's been real popular this year. Uh, of course. You know, my thing with salad, it's like Panera Bread or people think you're always eating healthy there. Well, you know, if it's like going, you go to Chipotle and you can have a 500 calorie <laughs> rice bowl or you can have a thousand calorie rice bowl in a real, you know what I'm saying? It just yeah. doesn't take much. It's just so, I mean, you having, that option, <laughs> having that yeah, option exactly. there makes it makes it a little bit healthier in your mind. You know, it's like yeah. I could eat healthy. <laughs> But yeah, I know I know exactly. I destroy a salad every time I hit one of those salad bars and it's <laughs> or just yeah, you should have just had the burger. You'd have yeah. been better yes. off by the yes. time you've you know put cheese and yeah. thousand mm-hmm. island dressing or some crazy you know, and, oh, then, and it, you know, it's always drowning, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Croutons and you know, all this other stuff. All the oh, proteins, av- you know. <laughs> Avocado, are you kidding me? Of course, you know. Like, I mean, you mean I can put as many olives on yep, and next thing I know I got exactly. a fifteen dollar salad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better hope they don't do it by way. Exactly. <laughs> so Brian had one other thing he wanted to do, um you sure. told me I should make sure to ask you, and it was something about the mascot. He said you had a great mascot story. So we have. So I, I don't know if he was talking about Aubie or the or, or so. He Auburn said there was is, a story behind know, the mascot. Yes. So um, <laughs> it's funny. We have kind of two. Um, we have Aubie, who is Aubie the tiger. So mm-hmm. we're the Auburn Tigers, but yeah. we have a battle cry that is uh, War Eagle, and the legend of the War Eagle goes something like this. So there was a guy that went off to battle in, and I think it was World War One, and he comes back and while he was over there, he finds this eagle that had been injured and he nurses it back to health. Everywhere the guy goes, the eagle comes with him. You know, it's, so it's his pet. I mean, it's, he loves the eagle, you know. And so there's a, we have a football game on a, you know, Saturday and Auburn is down and everybody knows the eagle by now, right? I mean, how would you not notice a guy carrying an eagle around? And Auburn's down to Georgia. And uh, all of a sudden, this eagle that hasn't flown in forever jumps, you know, off the guy's shoulder and starts circling the field. And so everybody starts yelling, war eagle. And, of course, Auburn goes on to beat Georgia. And so that's the legend of the war uh. eagle. <laughs> The eagle rose up and inspired rallied. the team and rallied the team. Exactly. Rather. Yeah. You know, All right. so, I mean, it's, a, it's a big deal around here. We love it. We love ah, it. Very good. All right. Well, a lot of interesting uh, food uh, discussion. And, and Glenn, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to oh, talk with us today. I know your life is extremely busy right now with uh, the students being back in, but uh, it's been a really interesting, entertaining and just a real pleasure chatting with you, and we wish you all the best. Well, thanks so much. Uh, for this school year, we know it's going to be, in some cases, maybe day by day. We just don't know, yeah. but uh, yeah. best of luck to you on, on all of it. 
I sure appreciate it and enjoyed speaking with both of you and uh, War Eagle. The War Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Any uh, last thoughts with our listeners or anything you'd... Uh... It is uh, actually a quote by Calvin Coolidge and it's uh, it's called Press On. And it said, "It's uh, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Press on. I like it. Press on. That's a good one. Keep moving. Got to do it. That's right. Tenacity. Keep it going. I love it. Exactly. We just got to keep moving. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for that. And right. uh, Justin, any last words from you for today? Yeah, absolutely. I would like to once again remind everyone to please hit that subscribe button. Never miss another moment with a food service industry professional again. Also, while you're at it, go ahead and send us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we can improve upon. We would greatly appreciate your input. Right. Somebody reach out. Let us know. We want to hear from you. And um, as always, if you're looking to uh, get in touch with us, you can let us know what you like about the show or give us an idea for the show. We appreciate it all. You can also reach out to us at volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And uh, as I like to end every show, just in that same vein of uh, just doing what you do, don't worry about the other guy and what they're doing. Focus on what you do best, and no one's going to beat you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great week ahead. So until next time, take care.